Hello, 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 and welcome to More Than Money, a show that explores the psychology, emotions, and math of money so you can make better, smarter choices regardless of where you fall on the income or wealth spectrums. I'm your host, Jacquette Timmins. On today's episode, we're going to talk about a common dilemma. It's a common dilemma in that I hear it often from coaching clients. I will hear it often in workshops. Sometimes it's a direct Q&A. Sometimes it is a sidebar conversation. And it is all about this question. Should I pay off my debt or should I save? And I actually think that that's the wrong question. Because the question phrased in that way, should I pay off my debt or should I save, presents it as an either or situation. I don't think that's the issue. I think it is really more of both and. That's my take on it. But I understand the question because Americans are more in debt now than after the financial crisis in 2008. According to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, household debt is $869 billion higher than what it was in 2008, which at its peak was $12.6 trillion. And that household debt includes auto, mortgage, credit card, student loan, and medical. And what this really reveals to me is that a lot of us are a little bit overweight when it comes to debt. But look, this episode isn't about making you feel bad about having debt because that's just not my style. But it is about helping you to plot a way forward that involves doing both and. And for me, what that means is paying off debt and saving. But there are a few steps that we need to take to make that happen. And the first step is to plot your debt. And this is something that I share in my book, Financial Intimacy. And although in the book we called it the debt square, of recent years I've been calling it the debt matrix. I don't really know why the shift, but I think it's more because of the visual um, aspect of it. I feel like it looks more like a matrix. I don't know. But anyway, um, and as I mentioned in a previous episode, I happen to think that we are visual thinkers. And even if you don't necessarily embrace that title, I think when we see things on paper and when we see them in a quote unquote pictorial form, we can pick up things that we may not necessarily notice when it's A, all in our head and B, just all written down in terms of, you know, a sequential, like a to-do list and and numbers on a to-do list. I think we can see more of it when we see it plotted out. So as a reference point, again, we did that with the financial wheel, and that was in episode number one. We did that when we plotted out the income statement and the balance sheet and the cash flow statement, and that was in episode number five. And now what I'm about to ask you to do is to plot the debt matrix. And so again, we are drawing a rectangle. And if you're listening to this while you're driving, obviously then do this at a later point in time. But again, we've got a rectangle. And again, we're dividing that rectangle so that we have a horizontal line and a vertical line and four quadrants. 
your left-hand column, label that high value. Your right-hand column, label that low value. Your top row, label that want. And your bottom row, label that need. And so here's what I want you to do. In the space where high and want to come together, so that would be your upper left-hand quadrant, I want you to write maybe if other priorities are met. And the labels that I'm giving you to, to plot inside the quadrants will come, it will become obvious to you in just a moment. So just go with me, go with the flow right now. So where high and want intersect inside that, that quadrant, in that box, you're going to write maybe if other priorities are met. Where high and need intersect, so that's the lower left-hand quadrant, that is where you're going to write can help you achieve your goals. So that takes care of the left-hand side of your uh, rectangle, both the upper quadrant and the lower quadrant. Now we're gonna move to the right-hand side and where low and want intersect, that's danger zone. That's like a red, you know, stoplight. Don't go, danger zone. And then where low and need come together, that's yellow. That's proceed with caution. So now you've got your debt matrix plotted out in terms of high versus low value, want versus need. Now what I need you to do is I want you to go back and I want you to list all of the debts that you have. Credit card debt, your mortgage, if you have a car loan, that. If you've got a student loan, that. Um, if you've got medical bills, make a, a note of that. If you've got personal loans that are outstanding from family or friends, make note of that as well. And then when it comes to your credit cards, I want you to actually indicate what credit card are you using um, where the expenses are for lifestyle? Where might they be for your business expenses, if that's the case? And if you are using it because you need to uh, just take care of basic necessities, make note of that as well. So for the credit card debt, this might be a little tricky and nuanced because some people use credit cards for a variety of different reasons and you wanna make sure that you're differentiating what's lifestyle, what's a business expense if appropriate, and what might be a plain old necessity if you're using it to pay for groceries or gas or things of that nature. So you drew your matrix, now you've listed your debt. Now what you wanna do is you wanna actually make a notation. Where does this debt fit on my matrix? Does it fit in the high want? Does it fit in the high need? Does it fit in the low want? Does it fit in the low need? And the way that I am defining value is through the lens of, is it enriching your life long-term, short-term? And not only is it enriching your life, but is it enriching your life and leading to an asset? So as an example, a mortgage, it's enriching your life and it's leading to an asset. Student loan, it's enriching your life and leading to an asset. Some might even say, depending upon where you live, that an auto loan, a car note, 
would be the equivalent to it's enriching your life and leading to an asset. Because if you don't live in New York City like I do, where public transportation abounds, you might need to have a car. <laughs> and so for you, um, a car note or a car loan is not something frivolous, it's a necessity. Um, and similarly, when it comes to business debt, that may be debt that you have taken on to take your business to a next level. So it gets a little trickier when it's auto or business, but the same, I think, idea applies in terms of looking at it and asking yourself, is it enriching my life? Is this enrichment long-term or short-term? And is this going to lead to something that's going to become an asset? Those are the things that you want to kind of understand about your debt. But as you're looking at your debt, again, high want, high need, low want, low need. And as you can probably tell, anything that's going to be in the low want zone, that's just not really helpful to you. And so you wanna prioritize getting rid of that. And if it's low need, eh, maybe question mark, right? And then certainly if it's high want, if all your other priorities are met, it's okay. And then if it's high need, you kind of just let it be what it is. Here's why I think that this kind of layering in terms of this exercise is really helpful. It helps you, A, to really come in touch with what's the debt that you have. I find that when most people feel overwhelmed by the, their debt, it's because they, they know they have it. They might have a sense of their total dollar amount, but they don't have the details around the segregation of the kind of debt that they have and whether or not it's a high value or low value or need or want. And so that just is really helpful in terms of being able to prioritize what are you going to tackle first? So for me, my recommendation would be you would tackle the low value need and the low value want over the high want and the high need. So that's one element to it. And then another is to apply what is referred to as the snowball effect. And with the snowball effect, mathematically, it makes no sense whatsoever. But again, we're talking about money and that's driven by emotions anyway, so we make room for that. But here's what I mean. With the snowball effect, you're taking all of the debt that you have and you're listing it by the, the outstanding balance, not so much by the interest rate. So you take the lowest outstanding balance and then you, you know, go down to your highest outstanding balance and you take a look at, okay, what's my lowest outstanding balance and highest outstanding balance and high want? What is that in high need? What is that in low want? What is that in low need? And by, again, plotting it out that way, you prioritize getting rid of that debt that's low value need and want over that debt that's high want and high need. I hope that makes sense because what's really helpful about doing all of what I've just outlined for you is that A, it helps you to get really organized both on paper and in, and, in mind about the, the scope of debt that you have. And it also helps you to be a little clearer about what your options are. Do you have the option of doing balance transfers? Do you have the option of refinancing? And so what we've just talked about thus far takes care of the debt part of this, que this question of should I pay off my debt? Then the other part of the question is, or should I pay? And as you know, I am a both and. 
So if you're not saving anything at all, what I suggest is you begin to experiment and you, you, you say to yourself, okay, what if I commit to doing 1% of what I take home? What does that look like? What if it's 2.5% of what I take home? What, is, what if it's 5%? And you stress test this out in a spreadsheet before you make a commitment to actually doing something. And the benefit of this is that whenever you catch yourself saying, I can't do X, it forces you to then ask the question, or I'm hoping it will force you to ask the question, is it true? So if you say, I can't save, is that true? You run the numbers in your spreadsheet and you do 1%, you do 2.5%, you do 5%. You might see that actually, indeed, you can do it. If you're not um, saving and you know doing a percentage doesn't feel comfortable, then pick a, a dollar amount. Maybe it's $10, maybe it's $25, maybe it's $50. The whole point here is that you want to put yourself in a position where when you say you can't, you're stress testing it in the form of a spreadsheet, but then that puts you in a position to actually doing it in reality um, so that you can actually see what is possible. And if you were already saving, but you want to figure out how you can save more, then this is a really great way to figure out, again, stress testing. Well, what happened if I saved 1% more, 2.5% more, 5% more? What would happen if I saved $10 more, $25 more, $50 more? And the benefit of that is that you get to see the effect or the impact of compounding, of time and compounding working for you from a saving standpoint, as opposed to time and compounding working against you when it comes to your, um, when it comes to your, your debt. So here are the things that I just want to leave you with as we begin to round this out. When it comes to this whole question of paying off debt versus saving, always think, how can you do both? Even if it means that you're staying in debt a little bit longer, but in the process of staying in debt a little bit longer, you are also building up more on the saving side. So ask that question. The other thing is to check your expectations. And I get this a lot. And most recently I got this in a workshop when someone was like, should I you know, pay off my uh, student loan debt or should I save? And my follow-up question to that person was, well, what's the interest rate on your student loan? And they were like, oh, it's 3%. In my mind, it's like, you know what? That you can deal with, focus on saving more. So I realized that this is a case-by-case situation. I realize that it is personally driven, and I also realize that there are probably other financial professionals that will disagree with my logic, but I really, really want people to get in the habit of focusing more on how do you do both, and I want people to move beyond the idea that they can't. And so to me, this really is a way of tackling, is it true when you say you can't save? Is it true if you say, oh God, I can't get out of debt or I'm never gonna get out of debt? Is that really true? So here's my point. Don't let the desire to be debt zero 
cause you to be blinded to the opportunities to save and invest. And what I've just outlined for you are ways where you can think about how you can do both and, how you can get out of debt, and also how can you save. So I hope you'll take the time, if you are listening and you have debt, or if you know someone that has debt, and they're constantly complaining to you about it, and they feel completely overwhelmed, absolutely share this episode with them so that they can get this toolkit, if you will, for how they can do both and, because to me, that is a really integral part of building wealth. So I think I've kind of proved that point already. So let me just close out and say again, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. As always, let me know what you found most useful. If you implement the suggestions, share a progress report. Let us know. You don't have to share the, you know, the details of the numbers, but share um, what the result was of you implementing these suggestions and what surprised you or what was affirming for you. And as always, until next time, remember, it is about more than money. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. 